0: The idea that you can somehow eliminate uh, terror on your own streets uh, by uh, killing people in another country uh, has pretty limited validity.
1: And welcome to the Matrix Podcast. My name is Sam Knights. I'm a barrister at Matrix, and I've worked on a number of uh, Afghan cases, uh, in particular, Afghan seeking protection in the UK. And I also ran an FCO-funded rule of law project in Afghanistan on behalf of the Bar Human Rights Committee of England and Wales in 2006-09. to I'm joined today by Rahela Siddiqui, director of the Rahela Trust, a UK charity which supports vulnerable Afghan women at university in Afghanistan and who for many years had leading roles in the development sector in Afghanistan post-2001. I'm also here with Michael Ryder, CMG, CEO of the Royal Society of Asian Affairs, who had a long and distinguished career as a diplomat in the Foreign Office, including as deputy ambassador to Afghanistan in 2006-7, to head of the Helmand Provincial Reconstruction Team in 2008, and who ran the London Conference on Afghanistan in 2010. And we're here to discuss the current situation in Afghanistan, what should and what can be done to provide practical assistance. Uh, for Afghans whose lives are in mortal danger in the country, and what the recent Taliban takeover means for the future of the country, stability in the region, and security. So, Michael and Raheela, it's wonderful to have you here. I wanted to begin um, with the constitutional situation. Um, We had, um, in mid-August, the UK and NATO withdrawing, Taliban taking the capital, President Ghani leaving the country and issuing a statement on his Facebook page acknowledging the Taliban's victory on the ground. And then the Vice President, Amrullah Saleh, claiming to be a caretaker, but who has also reportedly left the country. Taliban's has declared an Islamic emirate of Afghanistan and has announced a new government, but outside any democratic process and outside the confines of the constitution. So this inevitably raises questions about whether the Taliban qualify for governmental status domestically and internationally and uh, a related issue in the absence of any valid claim um, under the constitution will be whether they have, in fact, effective control um, of the territory and the population. But Rahela, can we start by talking about what's actually happening right now in Afghanistan? Who's got um, authority? Who's in charge of key sectors like food, um, medical supplies getting through, um, education? What is what is the situation?
2: Thank you, Samantha. Um so basically, the uh, the Taliban regime is in control right now. So, in terms of uh, uh, control of the country, uh, in terms of um, charitable organizations, um, I would say um, charities are in a in a panic situation, and they are uh, unfortunately the uh, their funds are blocked at the moment uh, for for the charitable organization and even private sectors as well. Um, because, you know, our universities, they are all private sectors, and they are not able to access their, their, their fund. UNDP, um, you, you uh, feed the food program, they have started some conversation, discussions with the uh, some NGOs uh, for providing uh, food. But it is in the like, preliminary uh, situations of consultations with the charitable organizations and encouraging them to come back and uh, and uh, uh, see that if they are uh, trying to work and in terms of uh, health situation honestly um, uh, again it's under control government is dealing with the with the uh, ministry of health or you know all the minist- ministries are uh, uh, actually, most of the ministries now, around 20 ministries, I think they announced last night that they are uh, in different, acquiring uh, uh, different ministry positions.
1: Uh, so, so Rahil, can I just ask you about that? So in the ministries, have we had a wholesale removal of everybody who was previously in charge and have the Taliban, in fact, filled the ministries with a completely new um, set of people? Yes. Um, what's okay and, in each uh, of the ministries
2: and and each of the ministries but unfortunately people with not the professional background because uh, uh, people with background of madrasa to be minister of higher education that makes me so uh, uh, a, a big question mark to the society basically and also uh, there at the ministry at the uh, university Kabul university also a madrasa uh, a person from madrasa has been the uh vice chancellor uh, chancellor of the university which made more of the lecturer resign from their being a lecturer uh so uh that that makes people uh, uh, to be honest depressed but also uh looking to the back to the 20 years uh of the uh, achievement that afghanistan had in terms of uh education Employment opportunity, youth, in different—I uh, mean, there are so many progress uh, during this last uh, twenty years. But now, with having uh, ministers like—I'm uh, sorry to say—from a uh, uh, Hakani group or from uh, groups that they are not—they are in blacklist, unfortunately. So that makes people of Afghanistan very oppressed uh, and especially uh, educated people. Uh, although civil society organizations, are trying. There, there are so many uh, panic of running, the, running, uh, evacuate, I mean, escaping from the countries. Many people are at, at risk, which I will come later on to even group, uh, who are the group. Uh, but still, some civil society organizations are trying to Show themselves, but unfortunately, most of the civil society organizations, their vehicles has been taken, uh, their equipment has been taken from their organizations. Uh, the only things can which makes me a little bit uh, thinking that how that will continue is the universities that they say to the girls that they can the girls can come to the university, although they said. Uh, there will be different subjects for the universities, for the girls at the universities, and uh, at this stage we will see that if the uh, you know, the, the the girls in the, school, the at the university level continue than in a separate class or a curtain in the class between the girls and boys because we were we had a lot of advocacy and you know that there are several networks in Afghanistan also mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. outside the country that they had a connection inside the country there are a lot of advocacy going on uh, based on figure and facts um, like Amnesty International also and uh, human rights uh, organizations, other civil society organizations. So those advocacy and push and petitions and so many letters to different gaver- government organizations uh, also help uh, uh, to see, but I will come yeah. later to... to yes,
1: well, we'll come back to discuss the um, situation of, of women in a bit more detail, but I want to bring in, um, if I may, Michael um, here on this sort of constitutional crisis issue. I mean, Michael, with all your diplomatic um, experience. What do you do in a situation when there's a, an authority gap, no foreign states yet recognize the Taliban as a legitimate government um, in Afghanistan? What's to be done? I mean, we've uh, got the Afghan ambassador to the UK uh, who off the record has said he doesn't know where um, his authority comes from. I mean, th- but this isn't a unique situation. You, I think, have been in this situation before. What What's to yeah. be done?
0: Uh, well, uh, of course, every Afghan ambassador is in that position at the moment, including their ambassador to the United Nations and every country in which Afghanistan, uh, the, the, uh, 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 the the former Afghan government is represented, uh, has its own decisions to take about uh, who it now regards as the legitimate representative of Afghanistan. I would expect... Just about all countries, in the short term, to continue to treat the the sitting ambassador as a legitimate representative. Uh, obviously, how long that goes on for uh, depends, uh, at least in part, on the way that the Taliban conduct themselves. Um, if over time uh, they do live up to the kinds of statements that they have made, then progressively governments will become more willing to to deal with them in a formal way. But at the moment, there is not much sign of that happening. Um, the other problem that uh, the embassies will have is, of course, money. Uh, um, they will not be getting any funding from Kabul um, because Kabul itself doesn't have any money, uh, even if they were disposed to maintain the network of present ambassadors. And I think every situation is going to be different. Uh, every every country has its own uh, practices and uh, and particular situations. Um, so I, I we we have a period of several months, at least, of uncertainty right across the world about uh, uh, the present Afghan representatives. But I can't imagine that uh, many, if any at all, of them are going to be kept in their positions by the present regime. That strikes me as, as very unlikely.
1: Right, and then we have this sort of interesting issue about whether um, there will be recognition afforded to future representatives of of the Taliban who are who are sent abroad. I mean, just coming back to the sort of situation of money, we can see that the the banking um, sector is in crisis. Many banks have shut, and this is causing a really uh, Serious practical problem for people on the ground, I mean both of you I know are working uh, very closely and are in contact with people whose lives are at risk either they 've worked for the British or for other um, foreign organizations in Afghanistan or they're vulnerable women who are not safe under the Taliban or, or other people. I mean, Raheela, do you want to can you talk about some of the women that you're in touch with? I know you 've got a list of particularly vulnerable women. What the situation? is for these women? And what um, is being done right now on the ground to help them practically?
2: Yeah, um, honestly, there is a there is a there is a crisis uh, of multiple phase of crisis in Afghanistan. Uh, um, I was dealing, uh, let me know, let me tell you that I was dealing with the evacuation of uh, um, seven uh, people I'm not naming uh, of the title or uh, um, that they were at the graveyard uh, like uh, the, with the children, with the husband, some with no husband, some young with old mother. They were running around here and there hiding themselves. Uh, and some even didn't have a passport and uh, we were trying to work in many ways that how they can be evacuated before they've been in such a trouble. Um, so it's not a matter of 300 listed, that I have. It is a matter of thousands of thousands of people that they are at risk. How I can talk about the, the police woman that I'm, every night and every day I have a telephone of cry of police and an army wife. And the truth is why that who is uh, on the mouth of the the father uh, hiding because the 18 years old son has been kidnapped already because of the father, because the father was army. And many, unfortunately, unfortunately, many have been have been killed. And, um, and uh, 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 many are displaced. You know, over uh, five, six million people are displaced, either inside the provinces or in inside Afghanistan. And um, although women are working, like in peace, are trying in their own ways. Uh, civil society organizations, different organizations, networks are trying to, but. You know there is a there is there is a there is a gap of uh, how to bring this effort together and and collaborate and see that how this can be uh, in in a better helpful way. Look at my the situation of my scholars that tonight and in the morning I was dealing with the. With the scholars that she was supposed to be in a very violent uh situation of uh, um, unfortunately uh, in a very difficult situation and i i can't say where and how but um i was i was i was i was i was helpless honestly and I tried with you I tried with my friend here. That how I can help this young lady with the with the one child, a single mother. How can I help him, her? And I, before this meeting, I had no time, honestly, to even think about my uh, talking here because I was totally busy with arranging uh, and supporting this. Lady. These are these are the examples. So what I'm talking is about thousands and thousands of people. I mean, I'm dealing with female, but. You can't imagine that how many call and how many uh, journalists, artists, singer. If I give you the list of that I put in in danger, uh, I I I don't know which one to put the pro- priority. Each one of them are priority. Dash widows, people who husband been escaped and they are they are in danger. Young generation. UK-associated people, US-associated people, international organization associated people, academia, academia who write books or uh, any literature, say with another religion. Because of the situation, they are just... Uh, uh, anyway, elders, musicians, uh, how can I say it? L- lists go beyond. But what I would say that... Uh, this crisis needs to be managed and to be supported. It is such a chaos situation, and it is actually collective responsibility of the international community to see how the situation can be managed. The civilian had no 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 hand in anything except that they are dying for unnecessarily educated people and <laughs> And 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 people who are even escaping from one place to another. Now there is the uh, the problem of food. People don't have food. People don't have money, and they were escaping from one province to another province. Now they finished the little save that they had, and they are in a, in a, such a difficult situation with the old mother with the small children.
1: So Rah- Rahela, let me let me ask Michael, um, um, Michael, who's also. Um, been working and is in contact with um, Afghans who are at great risk, who have been left behind, including um, there's a, a large number of um, uh, individuals who are eligible for the relocation scheme who weren't, um, weren't brought out on time due to the completely chaotic uh, withdrawal. Michael, what do you think the um, international community should be doing at this time?
0: Well, I think that there are Uh, Two things. On an institutional level, um, uh, and I can only speak with uh, some sort of knowledge of the situation in the UK, I don't know what the position is elsewhere, but we have three different government departments dealing with three different schemes for the entry of, of Afghans to the UK. And it makes no sense whatsoever. They have uh, different criteria. They have uh, different uh, uh, levels of uh, uh, of threshold. It, it is uh, it needs a single uh, a single centre and a a, a a single approach. Um, and uh, the government needs to do something about that. Um, I mean, in terms of individuals in Afghanistan, the situation is extremely difficult for uh, for foreign governments at the moment we uh i think we can be pretty confident that the taliban do not want people to leave the country uh because that reflects poorly on them and somewhere at the back of their minds they probably do believe a little bit what they say about wanting skills to remain in the country and certainly it's important for the country um, uh at the same time, there are people who are profoundly at risk. And uh I, I think we do need to make a much bigger effort. I'll give you one, one example. I mean, there are of course a lot of individuals in Afghanistan who who worked with and for uh foreign organizations, or or indeed just the Afghan government itself uh who, who are now in some danger. But it goes much further than that. Without making clear who it is I'm talking about, there is uh, one individual uh, whose situation I'm extremely familiar with, who has several family members still in Afghanistan. Uh, he himself is, is, is safe in the UK. And, um, These people are systematically being hunted down, not because they themselves worked at all for uh, the UK or the UN or any other uh, international entity, but because they are related to the person who is in the UK. Um, And that has uh, gone as far as uh, uh, brothers of the person concerned uh, hiding in Kabul moving address every few days uh, because they know that they are being pursued. Uh, It has uh, meant a knock on the door in uh, another city uh, in in Afghanistan where an uncle was taken away and a 17-year-old cousin murdered and thrown in the street. Um, This is, is not... Uh, sort of random, ill-disciplined behaviour. This is systematic, and uh, we we have to look at some of these cases in different ways. There are there are inevitably going to be cases of of indiscipline locally by armed young men. Um, Uh, But there are also cases where it is clear that the new state is in active pursuit, uh, not uh, for justice, but for revenge. Um, And uh, I think what we need here is uh, some collective ability uh, to keep records insofar as we can of these incidents Uh, whether we will ever get the chance to bring some of these people before a court, I think that's a very open question. But we shouldn't lose the opportunity to accumulate the evidence that would enable us to do so if the opportunity arose. And uh, we uh, have much more opportunity now than we have ever had in the past. The technology is vastly more capable. We all have, and and this is true in Afghanistan, too, we have cell phones, they have cameras in them. Uh, people are able to communicate uh, much more readily uh, than they ever were in the past, and things like this are much harder to hide. Um, but at the moment, to the best of my knowledge, there is no concerted effort going on. I know that there is some, some recording of incidents Uh, being done by Human Rights Watch. I am sure that there are others that are trying to do the same, but we need a concerted effort on this because we need, uh, at the very least, to be able to continue to give people in Afghanistan some hope, um, and that includes... Uh, first of all knowing that we haven't forgotten them uh, because they know we did before uh, and and also the potential to bring to justice uh anyone who is abusing uh, the, uh, the 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 human rights of the people who are left behind
1: yes of course that was an enormously important um, um Factor in the you know, in the former Soviet Union under the Stalinist regime, there were organisations, memorial, for example, collecting for decades and decades, um, documenting the um, human rights abuses, which were later then um, produced and aired and documented, and and we can see you know, worldwide truth and reconciliation commissions and these sort of reckonings are so incredibly um, important. Um, but coming back to your examples, Michael, you gave of um, the brothers and the cousins. Um, who are in grave danger? I mean, this isn't; these are not isolated examples. There is, as you said, systematic targeting of the wider family, and yet the um, scheme, the government, UK government scheme, is incredibly narrow on family members who are protected—spouse sp- and children—but it doesn't give um, rise to protection for those wider members who are um, evidentially being um, targeted uh, routinely. And it's just one example of how the uh, the government schemes are far too narrow um, to be doing uh, the protection that they need to be doing. I, I want to um, move on to another um, theme, which is um, very current and about the, um, the characterization, if you like, of the new Taliban regime. I mean, some people have um, suggested that it you know it might be different. Um but it, you know, is there, Rahela, do you think there is any reason to think that it's going to be different um from the previous situation for women, for, for minorities, for example the Hazaras, um, for people who want to speak freely um against um those in charge? What are what are the indicators that these these this new Taliban is going to be any different or not?
2: i think uh the many perceptions of the people and uh the regime first of all i wouldn't call it government the government is an elected government by the people that criteria is not there anymore um so it is a it's a it's a group of people that they are now uh overtaking the countries and and and, and calling themselves government and as michael said Okay, now they are there and they wanted to have the skills and to see that it is so very important for international communities, government like uh, UK to uh, to uphold uh, the the commitment uh, and to, as Michael said, uh, the Human Rights Council needs to have a um, mechanism of uh, a continuous uh, a collection of the evidences for the record and uh for tomorrow's international court to see that if there is a any uh, i mean <laughs> it, it, it's it it's a basically crime uh for for at, abusing people and and uh, inhuman uh act uh against human so this first of all these records and this abuse of human rights needs to be really controlled and really uh, be like a very strict condition for the international communities that this kind of approach needs to be stopped. And there is a, a so many evidences that needs to be verified and and recorded and 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 discussed with this this uh, Taliban. Number one, number two is uh, regarding the. Um, if, if the Taliban regime understand that education, the way that they are expect, uh, explaining education to the media, uh, and and in, in a very arrogant way that they say that uh, why you are asking that women should be in a positions, why you are asking these questions, there are so many other issues that women uh, should be uh, considered for women like what is what issues. So uh, indicators that I would say uh, and to say to the Taliban that if there's any differences than before, no, I would say it is much more worse than before. Because human rights abuse the way that we see, the way that uh, people of uh, very well-educated people, because today is media, uh, Samantha. And people, even though even though that there is a restriction, but there is a still media. I was watching last night. A video in a dark from a home, somewhere from whom that the boy the young boy was beaten to date to death, and he was saying that okay this is this is the young boy who is beaten by Taliban in this middle of the night here, and and then there was announced that it, it was killed. So yes, it is a social media. It is not verified, but there has to be different ways and approach of uh, increasing the social media's for the collection of, uh, of uh, evidences. And uh, if I tell you that during the time that I was, uh, during the previous time uh, uh, of Taliban, that I was in Afghanistan and working with women, um, it was the only organization because I was with working with United Nations and uh, we were working with over 25,000 of women, even during the Taliban. But how we design, how I designed the project, was to produce pasta project inside the factories, and then the educated woman came to supervise and, uh, and work. Uh, knowing that the regime of Taliban, if it will last long, we have to, as Michael also said, and I would echo, that we have to really think about the civilians and the citizens and that they don't lose their hope. We also should see in on the other matters of the... Um, people who are in the neighboring country, like Iran, like Pakistan, like Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, these uh, turkeys, that how we can provide and utilize back their uh, their skills and their knowledge. And it, I can give you one example it's through the GRE, the new charity that I established. We planned to do some uh, job creation for them and provide some training, but they could do some job for the UK here, Provide job, a very simple jobs that there th- th- would be need, and they can do it through digital uh, uh, systems in Uzbekistan, in Pakistan, and we can use their skills, and there will be little uh, salary for them. So, creative approach of uh, supporting the the nation, the civilians, is one of the way beside the, uh, pushing Taliban. That if you want, like a says, that if you want to. Uh, show that you're an authority that people will uh, uh, trust you, and I, I'm not sure if there will be trust, honestly, because there are so many chaos at the moment. Uh, in time, the practice will show that how how these uh, systems can be uh, trusted in to what extent or what percentage. But at the moment, honestly, as a woman, as a as a person, that I am, I'm really concerned about half of the population of Afghanistan. Right, Manta. I'm really concerned. So, Michael,
1: having having heard um, that from Rahela, the 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 view that you know the situation now is much worse um, for women than it was under the previous um, Taliban regime. I mean, what does this mean for um, for for states, for foreign states, and for the UK government in particular? I mean, how do they? should they be speaking to the Taliban um, with you know all of the human rights um, abuses going on should be or should we be using sanctions or or some other means to put pressure and what you know what where where do we go from here
0: well um,
1: sanctions have an extraordinarily
0: poor record of delivering. Uh, positive change. And uh, I I think the last thing that Afghanistan needs at the moment is to be made even poorer than it is. Um, I could envisage uh, some uh, Magnitsky-style sanctions targeting specific individuals for uh, known specific um, uh, transgressions, Uh, but comprehensive economic sanctions uh, are uh, counterproductive, um, and counterproductive politically as well, because they drive the uh, uh, the target government further into its own bunker, and uh, and cause it to turn to uh, other sources of revenue. Um, uh, so that I think would would be a dreadful mistake, uh, and a very damaging one. Um, I, I do think that there is. Uh, a need to talk to the Taliban. Um, uh, We, um, I mean, in this country, we tried a policy of not talking to the IRA for years and years. I mean, indeed, even to the point of um, preventing their voices from being broadcast over the radio and television. Um, uh, it, It doesn't work. In the end, you have to talk to the people who are able to to do things. It doesn't mean to say it'll be a constructive dialogue. Uh, that is you know, something you can only find out by doing it. And it certainly doesn't mean that we have to compromise the values that we think matter uh, in this. But it would be a mistake to cut off uh, channels. And um, it, because without that, uh, the international community is not going to be able to even deliver humanitarian aid. For example, um, now what channels we use—that's a separate question. Um, do we try to conduct all dialogue via the UN? Uh, do we, uh, to what extent, do we use our own uh, bilateral channels or, or regional groupings? Uh, I think there's a discussion still. To be had there. Whether the UN will be capable of uh, of, of forming a, a single approach on this, I think is is questionable because there have been huge divisions in the Security Council in recent years. But um, I would say Russia and China uh, uh, have both, uh, like the rest of us, said that they want the Taliban to live up to the things that they have been saying in advance. Um, and they can see as clearly as we can that that is not currently happening. Uh, so uh, there may be a greater potential for agreement in the Security Council than there has been on many other issues recently. Um, and uh, I, I think it's, it's clearly the case that uh, both of those countries uh, have interests here. They will be... Very glad to, to see the United States further away from them. Um, uh, having a large U.S. military presence in their backyards for the last 20 years has not been comfortable, and Iran will feel the same. Uh, but, but equally, uh, a uh, a vacuum there is not good, um, perhaps for Iran more than any, but uh, but for the others too. Um, So they will want to keep their channels open and indeed they have kept embassies open uh, as well, which is a pretty clear indication of the approach they're taking. It's not endorsement, I don't think, um, uh, but it it is uh, a recognition that uh, you, you can't and we shouldn't want to walk away.
1: Just, I mean, on that um, on that um, issue of the international involvement, and just looking back on the legacy of twenty years, um, Rahela, I mean, would you say overall Afghanistan has gained anything out of the last twenty years of foreign involvement? Bearing in mind what's just happened, would it, or would it have been better if there hadn't been the ISAF intervention post nine eleven? What's what's your view on that?
2: Um, I think the engagement of, uh, um, ISAF in, uh, the PRT program was, uh, I would say there was a lot of gap in implementation of program, uh, development program by PRT in Afghanistan, uh, but in, in general, I would say that, okay. Uh, let's say that we had some gain, but to balance this gain of the 20 years and the the loss of today's, and the loss that we are having in, in, in true uh, different, from different angles brain drain, killing, uh, lose, loss, uh, losing our um, heritage, uh, damage of uh, history, damage of dignity, uh <laughs> Uh, and also in terms of nation building there are uh, several fractions and 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 divisions that you can see among the people um i wouldn't call it nation building but i would say that there was uh, uh, there was good um uh, how can i say uh, enhancing uh, capacities of uh, human capacities in afghanistan's uh in with women and and young generation that they were involved in the process of a step to democracy and and uh and 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 and, and uh, uh, being hopeful that there will be progressive afghanistan rather than oppressive afghanistan um then i would say that a lot of resources and the taxpayer money have been uh, unfortunately um, should have not been China, uh, as such. If this situation uh, now happens, so if it would have been too progressive approach, I would have said yes. Although there are some some gaps, but there is a, there is a progress, and people have got, gained scales, and slowly it will go. And these people warlord or people got, gun with with again they will slowly move out, and then the intellectual people will be injected to the systems, and the governance systems could have been improved more uh but I would say um to balance it i'm 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 to be honest i'm not very optimistic that uh these gains uh would have been benefiting afghanistan uh to, to looking to the long term and and looking to the the history of the country, talking to the heritage of the country for me has a has a has a citizen origin citizen of Afghanistan, I would say that one boda to me uh, have a, 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 i mean it, it has no it has no cost to me like a, um i can't compare the value is too too high so if I lost the Boda from afghanistan if i lost the heritage from Afghanistan, if he lost these, a lot of uh, natural resources, and we don't know what will happen tomorrow. We don't know because, uh, so, um, and and, and as Michael highlighted earlier regarding the, uh, if there is no, uh, like, uh, negotiation needs to continue with with Taliban for the improvement of the situation uh, and, and putting conditions, I would say definitely, is important, but I would also say uh, that another channel of uh, channeling of uh, resources should be seek by the international community, like multilateral approach as well. Uh, if 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 the situation look to this uh, to the uh, speech of my uh, of Parikhmat um, uh, in UN Security Council, and he said we will not. Uh, wanted to compromise with the rights of women and and, and human in Afghanistan when Taliban uh, uh, don't concede it. So I would say that if Taliban is not uh, uh, um, holding their promise and looking to the situation of killing so many people that they say, we will not touch anybody who will come when we will come to Afghanistan, and so many of army has been killed, and police has been killed, and 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 journalists, uh, then uh, then then it is this collective responsibility to stop them and and to negotiate with them and to be strict with them, uh, if they wanted resources.
1: So. Michael, let me ask you the sort of flip side of 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 that um, the question I put to Rahila and looking at it from um, the international perspective and the uk perspective what what lessons should we take away from our um, intervention in in Afghanistan um, and should we have been there in the first place should we have um stayed or should we have withdrawn when we did um but you know what lessons do we do we take away from all of this about interventions you know going forward in in unstable states well i mean the
0: first thing i would say i think is it was always a rather unusual decision to invade a country in response to a terrorist act—horrendous uh, though that that was—and I don't want to diminish uh, the importance of that for the United States, um, or for the rest of us. Um, uh, but having uh, intervened militarily and uh, removed the Taliban from power, uh, in order to get at Al Qaeda um I, I think the uh, the broadening then uh of that response into a so-called war on terror was a fundamental strategic mistake um because you can't defeat it um if um if there is uh uh, if there is anything that that makes a war a forever war, it is uh, an enemy that you can't defeat, and terror is going to happen. Um, and uh, th- the idea that you can somehow eliminate uh, terror on your own streets uh, by uh, killing people in another country uh, has pretty limited validity. I, I see see that uh, uh, pursuing Uh, Osama bin Laden uh, uh, was, uh, in the U.S. view, uh, a strongly legitimate objective. Um, But it's uh, not something that sat well with trying to uh, put uh, an effective government in place in Afghanistan. And and remember, of course, the fighting in Afghanistan uh, was... Uh, there was a long legacy. There had been the uh, the Soviet invasion, uh, the uh, uh, the factional fighting between the Mujahideen that followed the Soviet withdrawal, uh, and then over time the Taliban uh, revival uh, in Afghanistan uh, from about two thousand and three on for. Um, uh, just taking the the your original question to Rahela, you know, was it uh, was it better to to have done it or not? I mean, I think the I mean, the aid, the development work, uh, all of that, I think, absolutely positive. I mean, it could have been done better, and I absolutely agree with Rahela that you know, money was wasted, uh, money was stolen. Um, As long as 15 years ago, the principal complaint that NGO workers were bringing back from uh, uh, rural Afghanistan was corruption. Um, But uh, although we heard it, we didn't really try to do anything about it. And that is the issue that, you know, again, has alienated a lot of the population and uh, has contributed to the lack of resistance as the Taliban moved in over the last few months. Um, uh, we have paid far too little attention to, to local knowledge and uh, and to local concerns. I mean, there was a very early in the The intervention in Afghanistan, Uh, there was a mantra that was used repeatedly uh, uh, about Afghans being in the driving seat. Um, One uh, Afghan minister. Uh, shortly afterwards, I won't name him because I'm not sure where he is at the moment, but I hope he's safe, in exasperation on one occasion said to me, yes, I'm in the driving seat of a taxi. Um, The international community directed this. Uh, The Afghan government's uh, ability really to pursue its own priorities was very hedged around uh, by the the stipulations of the donor countries. Um, uh, Stipulations, of course, that were there because they're accountable to their own taxpayers. But nevertheless, uh, I think uh, that's another lesson that that we need to learn, Uh, understanding the ground. Uh, In the 20 years that the UK has been involved in Afghanistan, the British Foreign Office has trained not a single Pashto speaker and very few Dari speakers. In those circumstances, I'm not quite sure how you're supposed to understand what's really
2: happening.
1: Yes, extraordinary. The idea that you would actually go and you know send thousands of people to work in the country without them really having a grasp of either of the two um, key languages. We, we've actually run out of time, um, and I want to thank you both um, hugely for your insights and your thoughts. Um, on this very, very um, troubling and yeah, topical um, 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 situation. Before we go, um, a book we've been asking um, our podcast interviewees for a book recommendation. So Rahela, a book recommendation, what, what you're currently reading or something that you would recommend to our listeners?
2: Oh, to read, you mean? Yes. There is a book, uh, hopefully will come out uh, uh, from uh, one of the poets in the United States. It's about Afghanistan. let me read the name uh, correctly, (laughs) I didn't know that you were asking. Um, So I would say that uh, the uh, book of, I will say the name of the writer, uh, Dak Stanton, uh, book should be read which will be published soon about Afghanistan and the current situation and what how the withdrawal will impact Afghanistan which uh, I'm going to be in the panel at 9 o'clock tonight with them. Uh, I think that book is interesting. I was reading one chapter uh, and his analysis and criticism is uh, it's valuable to, re- to read and to see that how how um, yeah, the situation is now, and where all the lesson learned, as you say, Samantha, it's it's a very good analysis. I would say his his book will be recommended to be read by uh, politicians, and I would say all, all I would also say by the development practitioners as well.
0: Thank
1: you, and Michael, what about you?
0: Well, uh, f- for me, I think uh, I mean there are there are many good books uh, on Afghanistan, but certainly for. A British readership. Uh, I think a very uh, sobering read is a book by Frank Ledwich, who uh, worked in Afghanistan at the same time as me. He's a a former army officer and, as it happens, a barrister. Um, And uh, his book is called Losing Small Wars.
1: Yes, and of course I, I uh, know Frank well, and was called um, by him one afternoon uh, whilst I was walking down the Grayson Road, and he was in Afghanistan, and he was very concerned about an extra judicial shooting that was going to be taking place of some um, alleged criminals in Afghanistan, and that was the first my first encounter, in fact, with um, with with Afghanistan um, and doing work there. Thank you both so much. Um, follow um, Rahila Siddiqui on um, Twitter and follow um, Michael via the Royal Society of Asian Affairs. Thank you uh, very
2: much. Thank you so much.